Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Weekly Real Podcast. My name is Jeremy. And my name is Ken. And today we're going to be talking about how to lose a guy in 10 days because it's it's anniversary. It's 20th anniversary of how to lose a guy in 10 days. Ken, do you feel like when you watch this movie, it's really that old? Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I didn't feel that way. I was like, hey, this is so good. Uh, well... Let me preface that by just because um, I just remembered how things were 20 years ago, I guess, with the the fashion and everything and mm-hmm. uh, when things were, you know, what, you know, pop culture wise, what, uh, what, how things were back in 2003. And, and I, like, I will say, because, you know, I'm a big NBA fan, Sacramento the Sacramento Kings were really good in the early 2000s and late mm-hmm. 90s with those um, Chris Webber teams and everything. And obviously, they get featured prominently uh, throughout the film, I guess, because, you know, it's, uh, they use the NBA as like uh, kind of a base for the relationship, I guess. Uh, but this season, to the 22-23 season that just passed, it was the first time that the Kings made the playoffs in since around that time. So... Uh, it's funny how we're covering this uh, 20 years later. <laughs> so there you, go. you get that little bit of a tie-in. Yeah. And I don't know, man. This is because you've seen this movie before. It's been a while. I've never seen this movie before. Yeah. And I feel like it's a <laughs> interesting one to talk about. Yeah. Especially like, since we're going to end off the season with a lot of heavy stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this wasn't... Um, this was very intentional in that one for me, uh, we were trying to figure out how, uh, what to place on this particular week. And I really wanted to, you know, have something a little bit different. Uh, we, you know, like we've been trying to come up with different ways where we can kind of fill in the gaps with certain movies if we're not covering a new movie. And we figured that one of the easiest things that we could do is look at movies that are celebrating quote unquote anniversaries and, uh, just like Jeremy said, this one, we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I don't think too many people are celebrating that uh, anniversary. So, uh, plus, we here at the Weekly Real Podcast, we love rom-coms. So, uh, yes, we do. Uh, yeah, and uh, I just figured this was a cool movie to be able to share with Jeremy since he had not be uh, he had not seen it since uh, before we just started uh, getting ready for this week. So, there you go. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Uh, but before we do that, let's actually try our soup du jour. Uh, Jeremy, what's the soup du jour? Uh, it's the soup of the day, but it's also our ritual for this week. And, you know, we don't have the, we don't currently do the newsreel, our former show, where we talk about news, uh, movie news, TV news. But. Because on that show, we used to actually talk a lot about like TV premieres and all that stuff. And I wanted to bring that back a little bit and talk about Secret Invasion. And as the time of this recording, the first three episodes have come out. Ken has seen those first three episodes. Ooh. I've only seen two of them. But I wanted to ask you first, uh, what are your uh, initial thoughts on Secret Invasion? Um... Okay, uh, I'm going to be a little bit difficult on this show and a little bit difficult on Marvel Studios. Uh, I'll be honest with you, it's, a, it's been a little bit disappointing for me. And I feel like the biggest nitpick that I have so far with this show is that it's been really slow. The pacing mm-hmm. has been to a grind. Sometimes it's to a halt. And, uh, you know, like I've, I've been able to get through three of the episodes. Again, I, I won't spoil uh, episode three for Jeremy or anyone that's seen it. And I'll talk in mainly the most general of terms, I guess. But to, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like the pacing could be a little bit quicker. Uh, I, I know that episode one ends in a bang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I feel like they could have gotten there at a much quicker and peppier uh, like pace. And I felt like, I don't know, uh, things would get a little convoluted and a little bit muddled. Yeah, I think I agree with you also. Because normally what you expect from uh, 
series premieres is that they kick it off with a bang basically for almost the entire episode they go all out they're they're Mm -hmm. trying to sell you the show uh for episode one so i was pretty surprised of how slow it was in episode one Mm -hmm. and then because you normally say like want to do a little bit more world building in episode two more of that exposition in episode two but a lot of that was happening in episode one already yeah and i was just like I just remember um, it was Hill, Fury, and Talos sitting in like a their living room or whatever, and doing a bunch of exposition in episode one. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, we're doing this now already!" <laughs> like, like this uh, exposition dump right now, and it's kind of been like that almost for the la- like the two episodes that I've seen. Yeah, and there there are definitely some shining like moments and stuff. But it, it's not what I wanted so far, like you were saying. The pace, like the idea, the concept is there. Because mm-hmm. I do, one thing I do like about the show is that it's like, what the hell is going on? You can't yeah. really trust anybody. I yep. like that feeling that I'm getting. But it's kind of getting lost in the the pacing, like you said, is not really good. It could be... In, in a thriller like this, you should be able to feel that that intenseness. That you should be like sweating when you watch this type right. of show. During those scenes, it still feels like it. Things are going at a really snail snail's pace. Like, and that kind of takes away from that feeling that you should have in this sort of thriller. Yeah. Okay, but um, to throw out the obvious question, because I've only seen episode two. I guess I don't know if anything happens in episode three, but uh, there's everyone saying that our famous um, one of our famous heroes, the best friend of Tony Stark, is a Skrull, James Rhodey Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's a Skrull? And can you say that? <laughs> I guess at this point in time. Um. I will say that they don't touch on that because I know uh, Rhodes, Rhodey shows up in episode two. He's not in episode three. So okay, you don't find that as of what's today, July 5 when we're recording this. Mm-hmm. So um, as of right now, I'm going to say no. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Do <laughs> no, you but... think he's going to be a scroll though? <laughs> yeah. Do I think he's going to be a scroll? Uh, yeah. I really hope not. Uh, I, and to answer your actual question, I'll say no, because I think that would just take away the importance of Rhodey um, in terms of his friendship with Tony and uh, mm-hmm. how, you know, what his status is um, within, you know, the United States government. Uh, I could see a scenario where maybe, you know, like the events of civil uh, Civil War at the end of Civil War where, you know, obviously he has that accident or whatever, Vision shoots him down. Spoiler alert for a seven-year-old movie. Uh, (laughs) But I could see them then, maybe they show off-screen that he actually dies at the end of that, and then they replace him with one of of the scrolls that uh, Fury trusts. But I don't think they would do that. I think he's... um, I think he's still roadie. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that he is a scroll. Like, I don't want him to be a scroll for all the reasons that you said, too. Like, he's he's so, like, integral and has this rich history in the MCU. Mm -hmm. All the way, if you include the Terrence Howard (laughs) first Iron Man, right? He's been there. Next time, Um, baby. Next time. (laughs) Never comes back. <laughs> um, but yeah, ever since basically Iron Man 2, you have Don Cheadle, right? Yeah. And for all the stuff he goes through, I don't know. For him to be a scroll that entire time, I think would diminish like so much of that character. Yeah. Um, especially the fans. But I feel like Marvel's had a habit of making decisions that we, as fans, that we don't like. So I feel like it's actually still going to happen that he's a scroll, but I think they're going to have it that he was replaced 
sometime after like Endgame. Oh, wait. So like, do you think he got blipped? I think he still got blipped and maybe someone like took advantage of that. Or took his place and mm-hmm. then maybe Rhodey came back, you think? Do you think Rhodey came back? Um I don't I think it would still be after Endgame. Maybe like during the events of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, is my mm. guess. Oh. Because he showed up in that. Yes, he did. Or did he? <laughs> or yeah, or did he? <laughs> Because I remember, like, the stuff that I was talking about with Nebula and stuff in Endgame. I don't think they would make him a a scroll at that point. But I'm going to say the last time we saw the real Rhodey was Endgame. Mm. I don't want that to happen, but I bet that's the version that we're going to get. I see. Well, in your scenario, if they do actually make him a scroll, I guess I would have to put my money on him being replaced after civil war Ooh, okay. yeah i think that whole scenario that i gave you where he really did die off screen holy crap yeah because i felt like his uh his re- his recovery was actually really quick from mm-hmm. the time like he had that accident he was already like he's got his like bionic legs or whatever and he's obviously delivering the tony stink line <laughs> that we know yeah. and love and, and then and then after that he was fine um so yeah, that's that's where I put my money on, but uh, I don't think he's a scroll. But we'll find okay. out. I don't want it to happen, but I think he is a scroll. Oh no! Yeah, I don't want it. All right, but before we jump into how to lose guy in ten days, Ken, we actually have uh, some weekly real socials we want to share, right? Yes, we do. Uh, TikTok is one of them. Uh, you can follow us there at Weekly Real Pod. Um, and uh, there you'll find movie and TV review videos as well as uh, bonus content. I know Jeremy just shared uh, a, an idea that he has upcoming for uh, one of the major releases that we have this summer. There's your little teaser there. So at Weekly Real Pod on TikTok. Yes. And then we also have a Instagram. It's at Weekly Real. What kind of stuff do we have on there, Ken? Okay, on there we have our reels uh, that we do post. Uh, they're from our main podcast episode, so you get to see us, um, I guess, record and have fun uh, on whenever we're talking about whatever movie it is that we're covering on a given week. And obviously, we'll have How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days coming up this coming week, whenever we have that ready. But we also uh, have our announcements uh, podcast links uh, to you know mainly Apple, Spotify, or, or or whatnot, but that's where we usually have our announcements. Uh, whenever we have episodes that we need to announce, <laughs> so uh, we're already wrapping up season six pretty soon. So we got like another few more weeks left. So uh, follow us there at Weekly Real. Yes. All right. So. Spoiler warning for How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. It Right now, it is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> but last week, we were like, it's never going to leave Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> we jinxed it, dude. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and then I checked, literally freaking <laughs> leaves Netflix the next day. <laughs> yeah. he uh, Jeremy texts me on the 30th, basically saying, guess what? It's leaving today. <laughs> I was like, no way. We hella jinxed it. Yeah, we hella jinxed it. But uh, there's your spoiler warning for this 20-year-old movie. But here's a little bit of a reminder. Ben and Addie are trying to climb the ladder of their respective careers, only to come face-to-face with an obstacle that wasn't in the job description. Love. Oh, shoot. (laughs) Andy has to make Ben fall out of love with her. And Ben... Wait. Yeah. Ben fall out of love with her, and Ben has to make Andy fall in, in love with him. Mm-hmm. Their mission, <laughs> should they choose to accept that, <laughs> has to be completed in 10 days. <laughs> so good. Yeah, we're, we're not ta- That's a little teaser for next week. <laughs> hint, hint, I guess. I, I love it. Oh, my God. That's the, that's the best one yet. <laughs> Had to work it in somehow. Oh, shoot. All right. So, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, the double feature. Uh, 
Let's get into that. I have a question. Ken has a question. Here we go. Um, all right. So my question for double feature, if the roles were reversed, I feel like I've been doing this a while, but if the roles were reversed, basically how to lose a girl in 10 days, what would Ben, Matthew McConaughey's character, have to do in order to lose Kate Hudson? What do you think he would have to do? Because do you think he would still pull the same like, oh, let's go to Celine Dion <laughs> instead <laughs> of the finals? Uh, I think, I don't know, at that point, was it week three, maybe? Of the, not game three? Of the finals? No, was, they started at the very, very beginning. So, yeah. like, they went to game one. But the Celine Dion one. Oh, Celine, yeah, would have been game three. Yeah. Oh, that was a, a minor nitpick, by the way. Game three should have been in Sacramento. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> minor nitpick. <laughs> That's true. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. They're banking on, you know, non-sports people watching the movie. Uh, come on. I was too into it to... Oh, I oh I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what the heck? Game three in, in New York. I'll give them the benefit of that. They probably had a watch party at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> <laughs> true, that is true. Oh shoot. Uh, so, um, what would Ben, ben. Do, have to do to lose a girl, Andy, in ten days? Mm-hmm. Oh man, I feel like he'd have to be. Okay, we have to make this funny too, huh? Yeah, I mean, like, because girls like Matthew McConaughey, right? (laughs) So it's like, you know, he's he's a charming dude. It's like, how can you get rid of Matthew McConaughey? Oh, man. Like, he would have to, he would have to, like, do some flirting with, I don't know, waitresses and stuff, you know, but he can explain it by being oh you know he's just being kind or whatever i mean they kind of i'm surprised that they they meant they dropped those breadcrumbs remember in the beginning when you first meet ben and uh he's uh hanging out with his his buddies slash co-workers or whatever Mm -hmm. and he ends up doing the gratuitous topless shot where he's changing his shirt and then his three of his female co-workers happen to be all like staring at him and they're admiring his uh his pecs i guess Mm -hmm. um I feel like he could kind of lean into that persona a little bit, you know, because I feel like he's got a little bit of that. Uh, um, he doesn't say it's not cocky; it's confidence, right? Yeah, and, and so I feel like he he would kind of lean into that. He would literally ha- like be talking to everyone or all the female admirers around him to to kind of try to get a reaction out of Andy, try to lose her, I guess. That or, um, man, I feel like, well, it seems like she was a sports fan. So it would have to be something where, in addition to that, he would have to, he would have to find out what Andy's political views are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know wants, what I mean? Yeah, she wants to write about yeah, that and then, and then, yep, because she lo- that's one of her passions. And she would have, uh, he would have to basically... Be, do the opposite so if she was uh more conservative or probably more liberal i guess she he'd have to be a little bit more conservative i'd see with that especially since matthew mcconaughey in real life is from texas so it's more of a, mm. a red state so i probably think he would kind of lean into that mm, okay see i was thinking about the same thing too i was thinking you know about the sports thinking about the political stuff uh, i think i feel like in terms of because in the movie, Andy is a, also a big sports fan. And yeah. so when she would make him miss the games or and watching the games on TV, she would run to the back, like in the kitchen, right, where they actually had the TV and the game was playing. Mm-hmm. I think at that point it was uh, game two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like he would try to do something similar in terms of like trying to mess with her and not be able to watch the game also. Mm. I I don't know how far he would go because it seems like he's more invested in the Knicks than she was. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, yeah. <laughs> but she seemed pretty knowledgeable. Yeah, for sure. But she went to, you know, she made him go to Celine Dion instead. And so technically <laughs> she missed the game too. <laughs> or did she? Maybe she was able to sneak into 
I don't know, a production thing where they have the game on in the back or something like that, similar to when they went to that veg- vegetarian or vegan restaurant or something like that. Oh, man, the food, though? I was like, frick, was that like quinoa? Damn. Or bar- barley. <laughs> yeah, barley, jeez. Yeah, it sounded pretty nasty. <laughs> yeah, I was, it did not look good. I would also have to say, like, in this universe, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if she would like the the womanizer Matthew McConaughey because they alluded to that right where it's yeah. like oh you're just a one night stand guy so does he like lean more into that or does he go in terms of like he's too needy like this guy that you would expect to be like the womanizer but he's like super duper attached which one do you think would work better on Andy what to loser yeah, it's a loser. I think to be like needy or whatever. Yeah, I remember uh, last week when we were talking about Encino Man. Uh, our uh, our buddy Michael was talking about. I think we were talking about Brendan Fraser movies, and one of the movies that he had mentioned was Bedazzled. And uh, one of those scenarios, a spoiler for Bedazzled again, was uh, to be super needy, super uber, like super sensitive, like cry at everything or whatever. I feel like if he would have done that to the point where it would just totally make Andy uh, uncomfortable, I think that would that would just make anyone uncomfortable, like to be that super touchy feely all the time. Yo, I feel like that's what he would have to do. Because the first day, you know, he's, like, super suave and uh, confident. (laughs) I would like to see Matthew McConaughey go, like, super emasculine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that would be funny. And then, like you said, go super, like, sensitive, touchy-feely. Yeah. I think that would be funny. I'm kind of curious, though, in that scenario, because I kind of want to ask this. This is not my half of the double feature, but just kind of related to your half. Um, you know, obviously in this movie, we get to visit and meet Ben's family. Say we were to meet Andy's family and the roles were reversed. Uh, like, how do you think, first of all, Andy's family is, what her family dynamic is in her relationship? And what do you think then uh, Ben would have to do to maybe... I guess, try to use that as a way to, I don't know, you know, have that as a red flag. Or would you, or would that also be a a place where they fall in love? (laughs) Yeah. I know, huh? Um, Shoot. I would, just for the sake of being different, I would, I wouldn't have it where they fall in love again. Uh, But I would, Imagine her family to be maybe, uh, maybe not as close as mm-hmm. as Ben's family was because she didn't really talk about her family as much. I would want to say her parents are probably divorced. Dad is super into sports, <laughs> mm. um, like the Knicks or something like that, or maybe a rival team. Um, and she probably just roots for the Knicks in hatred of her dad or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I would say like maybe Matthew McConaughey, Ben would be like super, uh, uh, or he'd be like hyper masculine Mm. against like the dad, try to like alpha dog it, (laughs) (laughs) like to make the dad pissed. And then with the mom just go, um, like I said, the emasculine, like, who, why would you, like, go after this guy? How, how can he even take care of you? Like, he uh, gets scared of everything and all that stuff. So I would like to see that, where it's like, okay, she has to, instead of going to one home, her parents are probably, like, divorced or something, and then she has to go to, he has to go to, like, both houses and act completely different at each one. I like that. I like that. I think, for me, if I were to make it similar to this movie... I would have it so that the family dynamic is the complete opposite of uh, of Ben's. Obviously, Ben's got you know a little bit. It's, uh, it's a good sized family. It's not huge. You know, we come from a pretty big family, uh, Jeremy and I, with a pretty big extended family, I should say. Um, but I feel like to make it completely different, it would be like uh, maybe a single parent, but maybe Andy's mom maybe passed away or something like that. And, it, and she really has, like, a close relationship with her dad. 
And then that's actually how they end up bonding and stuff. And that's where they fall in love a little bit more. So <laughs> okay. I feel like that would be like something different, but the same. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Cause they do have uh, those, um, I guess similarities, I guess maybe that's when they discover that her dad and thing. And I feel like that's usually how it, really is when it comes to when you meet the parents it's like you kind of subconsciously see you know whoever your significant other is and you kind of see those same qualities in whatever parent you know whatever your dynamic is so yeah that uh, scene was really good though yeah spoiler alert oh man i think we need to come up with a a, a remake of how to lose a guy in 10 days <laughs> with matthew mcconaughey <laughs> yes <laughs> Oh, man. Well, for my half of the double feature, Jeremy, um, you know what? During that first dinner date, after they connected uh, at the... Uh, I forget. What, what I forget what event that was. That was... It was... Um, it Not the diamond one yet. No, not the diamond. It was early on in the movie. Yeah. It was the first time where they meet. I forgot why they were there. Because I don't know why Andy and her group was there with... With Agatha Harkness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, during that first event or whatever, you know, obviously, yeah. you know, that's when the the gauntlet gets thrown, right? Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, Andy and her coworkers at Composure Magazine, they're already, like, trying to, okay, find a guy so that she can lose a guy in 10 days. You know, it'll be the basis of her article. And that's when the bet actually ha- take, uh, gets agreed upon. And so... Ben's got to actually find someone to make her fall in love with him so that he can make that pitch for the diamonds. Mm -hmm. So on that first seafood dinner date, Andy talks, or sorry, Andy asks Ben that last question, true or false, all's fair in love and war. And obviously when, you know, towards the end, kind of skipping through all the shenanigans later on, Andy finds out about the bet and, Ben also finds out about the article, and then basically everything turns into shit. So, mm-hmm. for my half of the double feature, Jeremy, based off of that true or false, all's fair in love and war, which was worse, using someone as the subject of your article or making someone fall in love with them to win a bet and to win that diamonds pitch? Which do you think was worse? I think... Crap, that's hard, dude. Because it's like either way, you're playing with their feelings, right? Yep. But I feel like I, I, we already felt that Ben was already like he was making her fall in love with him. But you could already see that he like fell in love with her already. Like we knew that already, and. There's nothing saying that they have to like break up afterwards or anything like that in uh-huh. the bet. But so I'm gonna say um Andy's thing was worse. Whereas like you have to basically torture him for for ten days. I yeah. I guess <laughs> if in her perspective though, it's like from, <laughs> from her perspective though, it's like she doesn't know that he's trying to stay with her for that long. Because technically, if it was like any normal guy, I guess, they would just like, oh, red flag for the, the second day that they met mm-hmm. and like leave. But he stayed. <laughs> but that's weird. I, but I still have, I'm going to go with Andy. I feel like Andy's <laughs> is worse. Some of the stuff that she put in through, yeah, goodness, <laughs> that was so good though. Like uh, obviously, she just took it to a a whole nother level with the different personalities that she had. What was that one uh, line that uh, that Ben says about? Uh, remember when she was talking about? Oh, you're fl- you're flirting with our shrink. Like right now or whatever, and then the personalities. Uh, I forget what he says about the personalities. Well, you got enough to for, to me to, to keep me busy or something like that. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. I was like, dang. You yeah, can tell he was... he was definitely done. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh man, I remember there was another 
quick line thing too, but I forgot. Maybe I'll remember. Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned Andy. I think just to kind of switch things up, I will say it was worse on Ben's side because I feel like the basis of everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he eventually fell in love was just literally just strictly was you know, the bet itself. You know what I mean? I I feel like he could have literally picked anyone. And, or again, he could have agreed upon any, you know, they 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 had that one lady with the weird leopard print or whatever or the weird kind of gothic chick or whatever. And I feel like it could have been either of those two, and he could have just made anything up. You know what I mean? And I feel like because he's got that swagger or whatever, he, I feel like he could have, you know, played with uh, whoever's feelings. And I feel like just eventually, yeah, he ended up falling in love with her or because of who Andy was. Well, the real, like in the beginning, <laughs> that yeah. first, that first night or, up until the part where she asks him to get the soda right at the end of game one. Uh, <laughs> I think everything was smooth sailing up until that point where the yep. switch just like clicks. But I feel like uh, it's worse for him because, I don't know, uh, it, it, it just fell, falls into that whole um, stereotype where, you know, he's that womanizer, just like mm-hmm. you said. And so I guess that's, why I would say, but I feel like both sides they yeah both sides were pretty bad. equal. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I like about this movie. Though. It's like they're both doing kind of like horrible things to each other, but they're still likable characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Plus, some, yeah. sometimes you know, like work will dictate your your career will dictate uh, kind of motives, I guess you know. And they were different enough where uh, the scenarios were actually pretty good. Um, because it, they just ended up lining up. Yeah, because the added layers, too, that there were characters that you hated more than the motives mm-hmm. or than the, yeah, than yeah. the methods of your main characters, like the yeah. two um, ladies that were going against Matthew McConaughey's oh, character. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, they were freaking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the one that actually thought of the bet and yeah. she she actually remembered that Andy was actually about to write that one how-to article. Oh yeah, man, that was like, actually oh, pretty genius. <laughs> yeah, that was dang. That was good. Evil. That was good. I forgot about that too. Ah, I you know what? I I I think you mentioned this at the top. I did watch this movie what? Probably 19 years ago. It was I think the year after this came out. I forgot maybe about half the movie. I only remembered certain parts of the movie and just the main premise. But the setup, I was like, dude, this is really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Frick. Damn, it like it kept escaping my mind. The thing I was gonna say, I feel like it was super obvious. It'll come back It'll to me come, when we're yeah. gonna talk about our weekly real awards. I feel like one of us is gonna mention it. Okay. It just right. keeps coming in and out of my head. But before we do that, <laughs> uh, I want to get our audience involved uh, and ask you guys, what would someone have to do to you to lose you in 10 days? I don't know. It has to be like me. I'm, I'm thinking a little bit more specific to like you yourself. So have any ideas, Ken? Yeah, I kind of want to have – I wanted to have fun with this. So all I got to say is – uh, if they, um, you know, they could be super perfect or whatever, but if they revealed later on that they were a Dodgers slash Seahawks <laughs> slash LeBron James fan, and if they hated movies, uh, they're done. <laughs> yeah. oh, dude, okay, well, I, I feel like we're going to talk about this later, but when she was talking in the movie, <laughs> man, that would have lost me, like, right, real quick. Especially during Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. (laughs) And then she started getting all like, you don't love me. You're checking out uh, the girls and stuff. It's like, what? You're thinking about another girl. How can you think of Meg Ryan and not think of another girl? (laughs) That was funny, though. I like that scene. That was really good. Yeah, I was going to say something about movies, man. We're a movie podcast. Yeah. Yeah, and... 
Maybe if she had just like crapped on her show or something like that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think that's a pretty big one. I think that is a pretty big one. That's a red flag. Yeah, Especially like, given the fact that we love talking about movies, I feel like it's a passion just shitting on your dreams, essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. It's, just, it's like shitting on podcasts in general, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Specifically our movie podcast. But, uh, yeah. yeah, what would you guys... Uh, I'm I'm excited. I want to see what people would say. We should post this on like an Instagram story. Yes, like we should. Questionnaire. <laughs> we could definitely do that. Uh, but just in case they have a whole list of red flags that they want to send us, um, they can probably email us, right, Ken? Yes, they can definitely email uh, email us. I almost said emo us. Email us at weeklyrealpod at gmail.com. All right, let's take a quick break before the awards. Let's get there into, it is. Let's get into the weekly real awards. I've been holding off for like the last how many minutes now? Yeah, thir- at least thirty-five thir- minutes or yeah, so. Seriously, uh, the weekly real awards. First award, the Get Help Award for favorite comedic scene. All right, so this is going to be a lot. Well, yeah, a lot of choices. A lot of choices for sure. And you actually mentioned this scene uh, in the first half of this episode. I got to give it to, you know, obviously uh, Andy's, you know, going through all the different ways that he, she can break up with a guy. And the one that really, the, I completely forgot, the one that really got me to laugh out loud uh, this latest rewatch was the uh, the the Sleepless in Seattle yeah. scene. Uh, it It... First of all, this is a movie podcast. We love our rom-coms. Obviously, we're covering this movie. Um, I don't even think that her uh, selecting the movie itself is a re- in itself is a red flag, but the fact that she chooses to have a conversation, uh, a pretty deep conversation about who are you thinking about, yeah. like in the middle of the movie, and then it would kind of cut to the the movie fanatic <laughs> in the back and she's like shh, shh. <laughs> she's like, he's basically trying to get them to stop talking and then all of a sudden when they start to cuddle he, like now they're in his field of vision um that whole thing and then it's like shut up or else my boyfriend's gonna pummel you here we go Oh, dude. And then obviously they go outside and then all of a sudden, um, dude, I, I love how I, I had to look up what his character's name was, but they just named him as sensitive moviegoer. <laughs> and then after he like literally just punches Ben in the face <laughs> right at the beginning, he's like, now I'm going to go back inside and finish watching Sleepless in Seattle. Nobody screw with me. No, nobody screw with me. <laughs> he really wanted to finish it. <laughs> literally one of the best lines in the movie that's like one of my favorite quotes oh my movie. god it was so freaking hilarious i love that and i think that's that scene was i think it just it seeped into my subconscious i was like oh my god we gotta cover this movie i know jeremy's gonna love this movie uh but yeah that one's that one was my favorite comedic scene it was the one that really got the loudest laugh out of me yeah, that was so good. I I understand why too, man. That Sleepless in Seattle is good, <laughs> T- top notch, man. <laughs> Seriously, uh, for me, I'm I that was one of my choices, but I'm gonna go with the first time when the red flag started showing. I think the the drinks at the the game one of the finals. Yeah, it's like oh shoot, I'm parched. I'm parched. <laughs> this isn't diet. It's like oh my god, because. I think what makes it even better is, you know, Matthew McConaughey's reactions, his expressions. He's like, what the hell? The buildup to it's like, oh, when is it going to start? The red flags. And she turns it on basically the worst possible time. It's like, damn. 
He was so patient too,、mm-hmm. and he he was like every sports fan guy, like obviously just trying to be glued to either the action, you know, as he was trying to le- exit his row, but he was just like, like paying attention to what was going on live, and then as soon as he got into the concourse, he was just like glued to the、TV. to the. Like, I want that one, whatever you're holding right there. It's like, do you want the jumble for twenty five extra cents? <laughs> Freak, dude! They don't even give him a cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think he cared. Yeah, he just got the freaking drink. Yeah, and that's insane. And later on, it's like、um, when they leave the game. It's like that was one of the the best plays I've ever seen. The last few seconds. It's like, can you believe it? <laughs>、uh, she rubbed it in his face. Yeah. Like, oh, you missed it. <laughs> Damn. And I would imagine finals tickets to be hella expensive. Oh yeah, especially for the Knicks. Seriously, in New York. In New yeah. Jeez, man. All right. Well, I mentioned favorite quote, and、uh, so we're gonna do the Wise Gamora Award for favorite quote. I mentioned one of mine's already, but go ahead and Kim. There was a lot. There's a lot of quotables in this one,、uh, a lot of underrated ones too. I feel like if I had the time to actually rewatch it a little bit more and actually study it a little bit more, I could probably come up with at least two or three honorable mentions.、Mm-hmm. That being said, my winner for the Wise Gamora Award for favorite quote has got to be at the end of the boys' night when it looks like and it appears that they're breaking up. But then Ben,、uh, Ben's buddies slash coworkers remind them, "It's like, hey, four more days, four more days, <laughs> or whatever." And then all of a sudden, freaking Ben just、uh, books it out of nowhere. He books it. He goes down like this.、Uh, what do you call it? The the escape,、uh, the emergency escape, or whatever. Meets Andy outside, or whatever. They have the conversation. They quote unquote reconcile, and then all of a sudden, Andy ends. That scene with "I love you, Binky," but I don't have to like you right now. <laughs> I was like, and she turns around and she's like, "What the?" Fuck? She she couldn't even believe she said that because she obviously she's still playing that、uh, that character、uh, to for that article. And oh my god, her comedic delivery for that one line. Is so perfect, and、mm-hmm. then you could see all the frustration from Ben during that. He's like, "Oh, he's, you know, like literally just trying to hold it together." Essentially, yeah. yeah.、Oh, okay, damn. Now I, I I thought of a better comedic scene. <laughs> that damn. You know what? Go ahead. Go, no, we can just, go back. Yeah, real quick. Just real quick. <laughs> Got to mention it. Um. The baby pictures scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's yes, probably my、album. favorite comedic scene. I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah.、Um, just because it's like when you think about like attached, attached, thinking about like marriage and having kids. Oof, this is like freaking five days in, man. <laughs> it's like they barely. Yeah. And for him to be so weirded out, and then try to recover from that <laughs> in the span of like that two to three minute sequence, was hilarious. Oh my god! Oh, well, and also right before, literally right a little bit before that, it was revealed that she went out behind his back and contacted his mom. Yeah, that's creepy. Somehow, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> that's hella creepy. Is that how you can talk to your mom? It's like, what the hell? You called my mom. <laughs> So good. Anyway, your favorite quote now. <laughs> yeah, favorite quote is also around the same time of your favorite quote.、Uh, yeah. When it was boys' night, they're playing poker and stuff, and then Andy, you know, is going hijinks and all that stuff, and then she sees the fern. <laughs> She's like, "Our love fern, you let it die," and Penn's like, "No, honey, it's just sleeping." <laughs> ah, I was dying, dude. Like just everything. Because he's trying to tolerate her for the longest time, especially like from the baby pictures to the freaking love fern to、uh, adopting a dog. That's、yeah. really like、um, curl curl the warrior king. Curl, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say that dog it looked like it had some issues. Oh 
shoot. Yeah. You know what? One of my honorable mentions, uh, hold on. Let me just look it up real quick. It was the whole, it was when she nicknamed his, um, his member, mm-hmm. uh, Princess Sophia. But then remember <laughs> when Ben was basically like, dude, I would name it something hyper masculine like Spike. Butch or Crow the Warrior King. The way he says it <laughs> yeah. delivers that. I was like, holy shit, this is too good. You can't make this shit up. And then that's what they name it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so good. <sighs> all right. Next award, though, we're going to switch it up. We talk about all the, the red flags and stuff, but there's the I Had a Date Award for Favorite Romantic Scene. Go ahead, man. Uh, well, I think, well, we were kind of talking a little offline about, you know, obviously we were kind of going through the outline just to make sure that we have the the same uh, same notes or whatever, just to make sure that we got the order in place. And obviously, Jeremy wanted to switch things up with favorite romantic scene, because usually this is where we have our favorite, favorite scene. But I teased it to you offline. My winner for the I Had a Date Award for Favorite Romantic Scene just happens to be my favorite scene as well. And it's when um, after that fake, I guess, uh, what do you call it? Couples therapy scene with mm-hmm. uh, with Agatha Harkness. They ended up visiting Ben's family. I just love that entire scene. I, th- I feel like wow. this is where it's super endearing. The bullshit. Um, the, the bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, and, and I just love that scene. The interactions were so fun. Everyone was super likable, but everyone was memorable. They had their own personalities, um, and then they reference or Andy referenced it a little bit later on in um, in the movie. But when she confessed to uh, to Ben about how his mom hugged her, you mean oh, really hugged her. Yeah. Uh, because that was the first time that uh, Ben had brought a significant other to uh, to meet the you know meet the family and to play bullshit. Um, I just love that entire scene. It just seemed so simple, but the interactions were so genuine. I think yeah. I think this is this is where the movie just kicked up another notch and won this movie over for me yeah. and became a kind of a guilty pleasure but i'm pretty proud of this one the fact that i like this movie (laughs) i don't think this is a guilty pleasure dude (laughs) there you go it's like high school musical 2 is more of a guilty (laughs) pleasure uh this is i think you know just this is a good movie i think um my favorite romantic scene has to be the end because Mm. when Andy is leaving. I'm okay for one. I'm glad that it, she didn't go all the way to the airplane. Wasn't in the gate or the terminal or inside the plane because we've had that cliche how many times? But yes. here, I think she is the Brooklyn Bridge. It was one of the bridges. I don't. I don't know my Washington New York. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know my New York geography. So forgive us. We're 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 West Coasters. It um. It seemed pretty accurate because there was a bunch of f- freaking construction. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But, and she's described, he's asking her, like, why is she leaving? It's like, oh, you know, there's this job that, like, I'm quitting my job to do other things in, in Washington or whatever. And she's about to get back in the taxi. And then he's like, bullshit. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, surprisingly emotional <laughs> when he said it. <laughs> I was like, oh. You know, I- I'm glad you mentioned that. It reminded me of a very underrated scene. Remember when um, they're playing bullshit? Yeah. And then they have that foreground shot. It's Andy and um, Ben talking. And literally, he's sh- basically telling the nuances of the game bullshit. In the background, right in the middle, perfectly framed, you get uh, Ben's mom and how she's, you know, playing her turn and like without even looking, bullshit. And it's and that's when he says it's a bullshit. The game is all about reading people. Mm-hmm. That was almost my favorite quote. And I'm glad you mentioned the end scene because literally it was Ben reading the situation, reading Andy as a person. Yeah, just calling her out on her bullshit. Pun intended. 
you know, ending, romantic, the rom-com endings are always kind of like the same-ish. I'm glad that there was at least a little bit of a uh, a twist this mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And for them to call back to the freaking bullshit game, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, made, made it even better. It was so good. So good. I do have an honorable mention. Yeah. Just because I wasn't sure if you were going to mention this part, but no, go ahead. this is a more of a moment. But I know that the uh, Titanic's been kind of in the news in the last several weeks because of obviously the tragedy and everything. Uh, but remember in Titanic, the movie, where you get to see, you know, Kate Winslet, um, obviously Rose, and then Leo, DiCaprio, Jack, when they kind of see each other and they're dressed up or whatever, kind of fairly early on in like the events of Titanic, the movie. And you kind of get that at the end, and they're all dressed up and everything. The looks that they gave each other, I was like, oh, man. You could tell that they that they casted really well because you could tell that they were really into each other. I, it was believable when mm-hmm. they saw each other kind of clean up and never. And then sometimes you don't really need to say that much. You don't really need to say that much. Even like in the beginning... When they were just giving one word oh, yeah, the one answers, word. I was like, oh, it was so good. Their they had really good chemistry. They did. Because like you said, even without saying anything, they had that chemistry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because chemistry is also, you know, not just a romantic thing. It's the comedic timing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which they did were really done well, too. Uh-huh. But in terms of chemistry, I hope we're not all on the same wavelength for the Guess the Rotten Tomatoes score because at this point in time, we can't afford a tie because right now, Ken is in the lead with 20 points. Barely. I am currently <laughs> tied with the guests at 19, so we are right behind Ken. And uh, Ken, you have our guests guess. Who's, who's guessing for the guests? <laughs> guests for the guests, uh, guest competitor for How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, just happens to be Jacob. He's been on the podcast multiple times. He will be appearing soon. Here's your, there's your teaser for later on this season. But Jacob guessed 71% for How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Um, For me, I'm guessing, I'm going... Uh, again, I'm thinking about this from just the critic's point of view. I feel like uh, a lot of rom-coms get a lot of shit. I'm guessing 58%. Okay. Ah, oh, damn. Okay. So I guessed 67%. Ooh, okay. So it's closer to Jacob. Okay. All right. Here we go. Ron Tomato score. This is kind of an older movie now, Weird, weirdly to say. Um, <laughs> 20 years, 20 years, 20 years. It has 150 reviews, and they're giving it a 42%. Whoa, oh. <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. I know the audience score is 77, but I don't even pay attention to audience scores. People are like freaking commercials, like it has an audience score of 90%. I'm like, <laughs> man, that thing's fake. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> all these scores are fake. But Ken, you get the full three points. So you have 23. I get the one point. No, just barely. Uh, so I have 20 points. And then the guests are stuck at 19. Yes. Yes, they are. Oh. A little bit of breathing room. Well, kind of, uh, yeah, not for me, though, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, by yeah. one and I'm not tied anymore so that's okay, okay. but the at least real, you're still in second <laughs> yes at least I'm still in second and the season is winding down so it's gonna be close but the real score is the I Love You 3000 award kind, kind of real ignore Fast 9 <laughs> score it's lower or um, uh, or uh, some of our early, just our earlier movies yeah, yeah for sure in general um, all right, Ken, where do you want to rate it from 1 to 3,000? All right. Uh, I love you 3,000 award. Uh, I have to give it, similar to Jacob's uh, guess, actually, I'm giving it a 2145 out of 3,000, which is about 71.5%. I love this movie irrationally. Um, <laughs> I, t- 
time. It's so good. It was entertaining. Um, I mean, it ran a pretty good time, uh, hour and 45-ish. And I, f- like, I felt like it went by really fast because I was having fun with this, uh, even watching this movie like 19 years later. Um, so I felt like this movie aged pretty well for me, surprisingly. Mm. Okay. I'm going to give it a little bit higher. I think I, I like this quite a bit in terms of like a rom-com. I, yeah. I think I had kind of lower expectations, but high expectations at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Just because, I don't know. It's like you don't know what to expect with these rom-coms. I'm giving it a 2310 out of 3,000, a 77%. I think one of the higher scores I've I've given this season in terms of like... Movies I haven't seen before. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, what was the thing that you liked the most uh, uh, out of this movie, just in general? I, you know, I did not expect it to be that funny. You know, it's it's hard to impress me with comedy, mm-hmm. and so the jokes, it, nothing was like too raunchy or whatever. Everything's pretty clean. It's everything's Benny, a good boop, time. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> And later on, you know, when they were panning out from the bridge that they were on, she says, um, I think something like that, like Ben, Boo Boo, or whatever, like while it's like panning out. He's like, oh, man. I bet you one of her, uh, like, if if they actually did a sequel, she really turns out to be like the crazy one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they break up. Man, just kidding. She was very convincing to be freaking mental. Yeah, that was good. No, Kate Hudson was uh, very charismatic in all. She she went all out. I think <laughs> in That's... every in every aspect uh, as far as trying to break up that relationship for her article. Yeah, man. Well, next week though, what are we gonna what are we gonna be watching for next week? Well, you already used the. Uh, the tagline. I so I won't do the tagline, but next week in preparation for one of the most anticipated summer blockbusters in 2023, we will be concluding our current weekly real franchise rewatch series on the Mission Impossible franchise as we cover Mission Impossible Rogue Nation from 2015 and Mission Impossible Fallout from 2018. Uh, so yeah. I mean, we were talking about the guest Ron Tomato score and how we're uh, that competition, how we're kind of uh, winding down season six. Next week, we got two movies. So anything can happen really in the competition with the uh, score so close. But I'm really excited to revisiting this franchise because, again, we're prepping for Dead Reckoning Part One coming soon yeah then that's gonna be a long movie too okay so this is gonna be a good one though mission impossible to think that rogue nation is almost 10 years also is pretty insane it is pretty insane um but i'm excited for that yeah uh anything you want to plug before we close out Oh, yeah. Uh, before I plug uh, my mm-hmm. stuff uh, on social, I, I forgot to mention that the whole franchise, if you, if anyone wants to do a complete rewatch of Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible 2, Mission Impossible 3, then we got, what, Ghost Protocol, and then obviously for next week's episode, Rogue Nation and Fallout, the whole franchise is streaming on Paramount+. Plus, and at least for those two movies, uh, Rogue Nation and Fallout, they're also streaming on FX now or Hulu Live if you have Hulu Live. So just wanted to mention that. But to answer or to address your um, question, uh, the thing I want to plug, uh, my socials, you can follow me at FreeKenA. I will say Instagram. Also, I don't know, uh, we're recording this on the 5th. Mark Zuckerberg uh, just launched Threads. So I just linked my Instagram with Threads. Threads is, uh, well, we're not sponsored by Mark Zuckerberg or Meta. Threads is basically their answer to Twitter. It's their version of Twitter. So um, I haven't played around with it yet. I just signed up. So if you want to follow me on Threads, at FreeKenA in the episode, uh, what do you call it? The spelling will be in the episode notes. 
All right, another social media I have to sign up for, guys. Not really. You could. It'll be another social media that you can ignore. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. I'll sign up for it eventually. Then, um, I guess for now, Instagram is just going to be at JP underscore Flicks. Yes. All right. Any final thoughts on how to lose a guy in ten days? Okay, this is where I'm kind of curious because I think we talked about this uh, offline right before we start. Before we hit the record button, I was like, yeah, I have this one thing uh, that I want to mention. And, and you're like, is this basketball really? I'm like, oh, dude, you know me too well. <laughs> so that one thing I wanted to mention was the most unrealistic thing about this movie is that the Knicks were in the NBA yeah. Finals. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, man. So crazy. Okay. And, I, and I say this as, uh, well, with the Knicks actually making it to the second round of the playoffs this past season, and obviously it was crazy that Sacramento even made the playoffs for the first time, and it seems like t- since this movie was created. So th- obviously they fell to the Warriors in seven games of the first round, but it's pretty crazy how both these finals teams, quote-unquote, made it to the playoffs this uh, past off- uh, this past NBA season. It's pretty crazy. That is insane. But frick, man. Yeah, that's a little bit unrealistic, but you know, they, they wanted it in New York. I didn't I didn't catch the game three not being <laughs> in Sacramento. I think that's even more unrealistic. Yeah. Damn. Anything else though? Um, let me check. Because I don't uh, really watch, you know, this is the the time of the Matthew McConaughey rom com era. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't I haven't really watched a lot of rom coms with Matthew McConaughey. So it's oh. it's good to see this one. Let me ask this because I mentioned Titanic earlier. Were you uh, did did they, did uh, Andy get you with the whole Celine Dion tickets bait and switch? Because <laughs> obviously this is your first time. Did you were you expecting something like that, or were you expecting finals tickets like uh, like Ben was? I was expecting finals tickets again, but like actually in the front row, and then but doing something like even worse, like it, embarrassing him in front of freaking like players and stuff. <laughs> I see, I see. Um, like saying, "Oh, he's a he's a Kings fan" <laughs> or something like oh, that. Oh, I see, I see, I see. But I didn't expect Celine Dion. That was funny though, and again the whole titanic being in the news lately the fact that that was the song that they featured uh during that one little quick uh scene where Mm -hmm. they revealed that they were at a celine dion concert that was pretty funny weird coincidence too how stuff is coming full circle 20 years later um oh this was my other double feature question uh was there a red flag that would i mean kind of bringing it back to the audience question but to this movie was there a red flag that would have broken you as far as straight up breaking up uh and not giving two f's about the uh pitch or your work okay yeah so it's like i can forgive the finals thing uh even the movie things because surprisingly I think it's the baby pictures. <laughs> Probably <laughs> one of the worst ones. And like contacting your mom, God knows how. <laughs> you know, I know, right? But crap. that was pretty creepy. And I think it shows how creepy it was because Matthew McConaughey or Ben like breaks out of character for a while. Like, what yeah. the heck is that? Oh, and then he has to, like, recover from it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, I'll, let me see it. Let me see it. Right? That's <laughs> how so they look great. And they, they look horrible, dude. <laughs> like, terrifying. And, well, she uh, did use Photoshop. And I feel like Photoshop 20 years ago probably wasn't as, you know, seamless as, as it is now. <laughs> especially with, with uh, AI now. Uh, making things much easier. <laughs> yeah, and she had to do a whole freaking album, man, like physical <laughs> album with physical I know, with, pictures. with Ben Jr. and Andy Jr. Yeah. <laughs> I think good. that would have gotten me. That's like okay. the probably the worst one. How about you? Hmm. Okay. To answer my own question, I almost thought, uh, I almost was thinking couples therapy because it was <laughs> just a week in seven days. That's a huge red flag. That you is know, just super to- huge. <laughs> <laughs> does that <laughs> couple therapy weekend oh my god it's so funny especially with agatha, agatha harkness yeah. you, you don't know if she's gonna put you under a spell or something like that or use the 
what do you call dark that? Hold. The dark hold. <laughs> but um, to make this entertaining, just because we haven't really talked about it, I think the probably the one that would have probably got me was probably the one that initially got Ben. Getting your your junk called Princess Sophia probably would have just like, oh my god, it's so emasculating. That is weird, man. Princess Sophia. Oh shoot, yeah, that's yeah, that probably would have been the one. When she made cucumber sandwiches. That was oh, weird. Yeah. Who that does was, that? I I like how she stuck with the whole vegetarian slash vegan thing about not eating meat though. That was pretty good continuity. Yeah, even though we saw her like a scene before too, like eating a burger. Eating a, yeah, and complaining about not uh, bacon not being included in her burger. Yeah, or even eating a burrito during the while she was watching game two in the in the back with all the uh, the workers. <laughs> Remember uh, yeah. the yeah. kitchen staff. Man, it's pretty good. That's pretty bad. This this movie was surprisingly good in terms of. You know, dropping some breadcrumbs and then it following up on certain yeah. things. They're pretty detail oriented. I'm sure there was other plot holes, but um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, it's someone probably already nitpicked it. That's why they probably scored it forty. What was it? Forty two percent on yeah, Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I feel like this movie like holds up pretty well for being twenty years old. Is yeah. you know a lot of things change in twenty years, so. It holds up pretty well. I think you yeah. can still like put this out and be better than most rom coms nowadays. I know. Did, did you like the Burberry um, <laughs> like family? <laughs> oh yeah, it's like it. Yeah, when it's like, oh, just just put it on now and putting it over <laughs> his existing over his shirt. shirt. <laughs> that was weird. Oh shoot! Well, I think that aged pretty well, Burberry. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that dog, jeez. Oh my god. Crawl the Warrior King. Uh, well, I think that's it, right? Anything else? I think that was pretty much it. I think we got most everything. All right. Well, guys, thank you for listening to How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Next week, remember to watch Mission Impossible Broke Nation and Fallout. Because, for one, the Guess the Rotten Tomato score is on a freaking... It's going to be that buzzer beater just like in the <laughs> at game one in the finals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's what it's going to come down to, I feel like. But that's only going to happen next week on The Reels.